You're listening to the Manchester Vineyard Podcast. We'd love for you to join us. To discover more about who we are, where we meet, and how you can connect with us, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description. Good morning. A really warm welcome to you, especially if you're joining us or visiting us for the first time. Can I just say, many of you will know this, but compassion is deeply embedded in our hearts and the vision of this church. We want to love Jesus and love Manchester. Let me just give you a quick update with that in mind of the Love Manchester van that we have. This has been an outstanding VW camper van, a very much a beloved member of the church family. It's collected essential items for over the last last four years and um, delivered thousands of essential meals throughout the pandemic to those isolating or in desperate need among many many other uses and the the heart of it really sprang out of our response to the Manchester bomb it's a long story but we wanted to put the living room of the church on the streets of the city but it makes sense right now in this moment to sell that van We've currently outgrown the best use of it, but also with 422, we'll be very soon having a much more permanent uh, living room in a much needed area of the city. We'll probably at some point still need another van, but at this point, it makes sense to sell that one right now. Demand for such vans is very high, with people seeking to have holidays in the UK, and uh, a camper van is a perfect way to explore Britain, go to the beach with the kids, go on a solo adventure, or with friends, or whatever it might be. So through selling that van right now, we also want to maximise the opportunity to tell and share the story of 422 but also maximise our return on the van to plough that money into 422. So we're going to be selling it through a um, crowdfunder, through a, a, a prize draw and we'd love your help. We'd really love your help to push it as far and as wide as as possible. The last van that was sold in a way like this went on to sell for uh, £73,000. So this could be a bit of a pot of gold for us and be really useful for all that we believe God has called us to in this leg of the race. You can find all the details of that and share that as of today on um, mvuk.org forward slash win but we'd love you to join us in sharing and telling the story of that van but also helping to raise the money that will then be ploughed into the building let me just uh, change gear slightly you know since about february i've been doing the couch to 5k with our eldest daughter sophie once we finished the program we then just kept doing it 5k probably uh, about three times a week and we, we've loved it we've loved every minute well I wouldn't say we've loved every minute but we've loved laughing and chatting and exploring places we've actually enjoyed the commitment and the resolve to do it but sometimes it's been really jolly hard work if I'm honest we've often just loved finishing it and have, um, of course we've probably been a degree fitter as a result but that time together has been really precious she often runs rings around me I'm normally exhausted but she's laughing and chatting and running around all over the place doing extra bits and hurdles under things over things round things and all sorts like that anyway last week she had loads on and um, she couldn't do some of the runs so um, I'm a bit of a 
may have noticed. I'm a creature of habit, or should I say I have a slightly obsessive personality, so I equally couldn't miss doing it. So I, I went on my own. And surprisingly, I was actually a bit quicker than normal. It's not that she holds me up. It must have been I just had my head down, crack on, get it done. But I shaved about seven minutes off our usual route. Do you know, though, honestly, it it was horrible. It was so draining. Nobody to chat with and laugh with. It was such a different experience. It was so depleting. And I really struggled to motivate myself to keep going. The times I just thought, oh, like I'm done, sack it. You know, it's often said, and you'll have often heard it said, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. I certainly went fast, but it was so unrewarding, so lonely and so demotivating. Don't you find that we're in a fascinating moment right now there are elements where it would feel quicker to do things alone it would spare the complications of seeing so many elements of this time and this season where we've just seen things potentially differently it would allow us to move more freely to choose the things that we want to do and do them in the way and the time frame that we want to do them And yet we would miss so much. The people and the family that we're called to be together, we're in a moment of choosing, I want to say. A moment of resolve and conviction. And I want to fight for us to do that in the best way possible. I want to fight for our hearts and minds to be united in and for each other. To realise that there's a cost to that. To realise that there's a price to pay for that but that it's never been more needed and it so profoundly projects and declares something to the world around us that is looking on, searching and observing how we do it. We don't want to run this race alone. Don't go on the journey of faith and the journey of discipleship alone. John 13, 34 says, So now I am giving you a new commandment, love each other. Just as I've loved you, you should love each other and your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. Would it be so? Would our love, our care, our grace, our commitment, our desire, our resolve, our way of speaking well of each other to encourage, to stand by, to stand in the gap, to fight for, to honour and to serve each other. Would it communicate to the world around us that we're disciples of Jesus? In a day of division and separation, would it be our choosing to do it together, to go together, to be together, would it so powerfully communicate something of the overflow of the kingdom of God to the world around us? Because we're born to do this together, but we have to choose that, we have to fight for that, and we have to commit to that. You know, today I want to continue our Led to the Lost series. I hope to stir up among us a heart and an understanding and a realisation that this is on God's heart, that he is a missional God, that he's calling people to him 
and that we're part of the mechanism for that. I've been anchoring this series in and around the book of John and today I just want to look briefly at the love of the Father, the love of the Father. You know, when I was at uni, I think I may have shared this with some of you before, but we did this little exercise where she laid out 50 portrayals of images of Jesus in different contexts and settings. And I still remember it so vividly because I found it such an unsettling exercise to do. I was confronted with somebody else's interpretation of Jesus and seeing him presented in ways and manners that felt inconsistent with how I would picture him. Now, I'm not for one minute saying they were wrong or that I'm right, more that what I was shown I was uncomfortable with the interpretation that was in front of me. So regardless though, I think we all have to be so careful that scripture doesn't start to be formed around us, but that we become like it. You know, we need to, 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 to form our understanding of Jesus based on truth. We need to base it around what Jesus says rather than what we've learned or what we've experienced. And I think that is so important. Jesus in chapter 3 of of the book of John has a, a conversation with Nicodemus. And I just want us to jump in on it. It says this in verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone believes in him will have eternal life. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son, so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but the people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it, for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so that others can see that they are doing what God wants. You know, there's there's kind of four things going on here that I just want to briefly touch on. The first is this. There is the reality of God's love. The second is there is the reason Jesus came. The third is the result of belief. And the fourth is the response of man to it. So it's reality, reason, result and response. Reality, reason, result and response. Let's just have a quick look at each. The first one is this, reality. John 3.16 is probably one of the most famous verses in the Bible. Many of you will know it, will be familiar with it. It's even written, I've seen it written everywhere, on even over the um, bridges, over motorways. But it says this, for God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son. You know, the death of Jesus was necessary because God loves us. The death of Jesus, the horrible crucifixion of the Son of God, is as a, a direct result of the love of God for you and me. God's love is chiefly displayed through the death of Jesus. For God so loved 
You know, the word so in that could be see, seen two ways. He loves us so, so, so much, which is true. But it's more intended to, con- to, to, to convey and to reveal the intensity of God's love. It reveals the demonstration of God's love. The love of God was demonstrated in a real and tangible way. The proof of God's love is that he acted on it, he did something with it and about it and therefore through it. How do you know that someone loves you? You know, three words, I love you, are powerful, but they're nowhere near as powerful as the out as that been outworked in a practical response and reality. We can be confident of the love of God, not just because we can hear the words that he loves us, but because we can see it outworked in practical reality. We see something far greater than the sacrifice of time and money. We see the gift of God that he gave his only son. God gave his son. You know, it's a gift. It took a sacrifice. God doesn't require us to buy it or to earn it. It's free, but it isn't cheap. It cost us nothing, but it cost God everything. God willingly and lovingly gave up his son for you and for me. We don't deserve it. And we couldn't earn it. And it's not about our loveliness. It's about his love. We never need to question God's love for us. When Jesus took the punishment of our sin, it demanded that he demonstrated to to the world that God is unquestionably righteous. And he expresses his love for us beyond measure. Now, whilst the reality uh, that is the, a reality that is not actually a reality for many of you. I, I see that so much. You know, so many don't know it. And if you kind of think you know it in your head, it's never become something that's actually transitioned to your heart. It's kind of what I was saying a minute ago, that we will all have pictures and images and understandings of what God is like. But we need to form them around what Jesus says rather than what we think or we've come to understand or experience. For some of you, this 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 is massive because it's like you you can't believe it. It's like you somehow have to earn it. For a number of you, you you live condemned. You live bound by past behaviours and thoughts and failings. The challenge with all of that is that it depends on you and the joy of the trust in him is that actually it's got nothing to do with you it's all about him because you can't earn it and you don't deserve it it's all him 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 for God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son it is a gift from him for you and we need to be people that receive that gift honestly I believe for some of you this morning You may have felt that you've accepted Jesus into your life. Some of you won't have, and I encourage you to do that. But actually, receive the gift of the love of God. For some of you right now, that needs to land on you. It's him, him, him. Honestly, it's him, him, him. Not anything to do with you and how freeing and how liberating that is. I I pray right now that the Spirit of God would reform and reframe the way so many of you think that there could be an acceptance and an understanding and a belief and a realisation, a revelation of that reality. 
that the love of God, that there is a deposit of, of it on you right now. I, I long for that to come upon you because you're not going to want to share it with someone else if you haven't first received it yourself. I'm praying the reality of God love of God's love lands on you and that you probably need to hear and receive that right now. That's the reality. The second thing is the reason Jesus came. Reality now reason. God's purpose in sending his son wasn't to condemn the world. Verse 17, God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, not to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. How many people live feeling condemned or thinking that God is angry, that he's a restrictive God out to punish us? And if he doesn't do it, we need to punish ourselves. You know, that's not very hope-filled and we aren't going to want to share it if that's how we see it because it will be out of a sense of duty and obligation rather than freedom and overflow. We need something bigger than we could supply for ourselves. No amount of human ingenuity could bring about or cause an effect to bring about our salvation. So often we love to make a big deal out of our achievements or our accomplishments, don't we? So many people want to do that. But none of us could get any closer to solving our greatest dilemma, which is a need for salvation from sin and death. We could no more save ourselves than a baby can birth themselves. You know, that's kind of what Jesus told Nicodemus. We were drowning in a sea of sin and we needed somebody to rescue us. And God therefore sent his son, Jesus, into the world. There's no judgment against anybody who believes in him. You know, we're only on chapter three, just a little way into the book of John. And the word belief or believe has already cropped up 11 times. To believe means we acknowledge the claims of Jesus and we yield our allegiance to him and place our hope in him as the only hope of salvation. The reason is this, we need Jesus. Jesus uses a really interesting Old Testament illustration in this passage to explain his purpose for coming. You know, after God had delivered his people from the land of Egypt, they began to complain. We read it in uh, Numbers, a book in the Old Testament. But they're basically saying, look, we've got no food, we've got no water, and the food you gave us is awful. Did you actually bring us here to die? You know, and this might sound a bit brutal and we'd probably need way longer to explain it and understand it. But God responds to their complaining by sending steaks. It's not steaks. <laughs> steak. I've got steak on the mind. Have a barbecue before the uh, final tonight. But snakes, not steaks. This, this is a holy God, you know, who will not accept their poor actions. Hence, we need Jesus. You know, the snake and the bite of the snake is going to bring death. And after the people repent, God commands Moses to craft the image of a snake, not a stake, but mount it on a pole. You know, those who look at the pole will will will, will live. The serpent won't bite or, or kill them, or the venom won't kill them. There's only one hope for the Israelites who have the venom running through their veins. Their only hope was the bronze serpent lifted up. The power 
of God represented among them, the presence of God represented among them. Our only hope is this, Jesus lifted up. It says, John three fourteen, And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everybody who believes in him will have eternal life. Verse 17, God sent his Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. How is the world saved? Through him, through Jesus. No one else, nothing else. It's the reality, the reason, then what? The result. What's the result of the belief? Whoever believes in Jesus is not condemned. Jesus died for us. He did for us something that we couldn't do for ourselves. We're not innocent, but we place our faith and our trust in Jesus alone, who saves us from our sin and our guilt that is washed away, and we're declared innocent. We are not, and we cannot be condemned. Jesus paid it all. He paid for it all and there is nothing left to pay. You know, some of you honestly don't fully, that hasn't landed on your hearts and minds though. Some of you live with a almost a millstone around your neck of guilt and fear and shame and all that kind of stuff. Don't forget the power of the cross. We've already been freed from sin's guilt and all the shame that comes with it. Knowing that truth and living in that truth should be incredibly liberating for us and it should cause us to live differently. Hope should be welling up in us and springing forth from us. You know, there should be such a lightening of the loads that you carry because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. We will find it all in him through the power of his spirit upon us because God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him there's a reality a reason a result and now the response can I just land this on the response because what is our response to this and to this life-changing life-transforming reality you know people will face the consequences of their sin not that God's gift of Jesus is insufficient but because they refuse to turn to him and to trust in him to allow him to save them from it jesus is perfect jesus is sufficient and jesus alone can meet our need the bible really is a very simple message about god's love and god's mercy about our sin and our need for somebody to rescue us and that rescuing is found in Jesus. There is such a wonderfully written, I don't know if you've ever seen it, wonderfully written children's book that I often read to our children. And uh, the words go like this. It just so beautifully captures something of the love of God that is demonstrated in the death of his son, Jesus. It says this. So you're a king, are you? The Roman soldiers jeered. Then you'll need a crown and a robe. They gave Jesus a crown made out of thorns and put a purple robe on him and pretended to bow down to him. Your majesty, they said, mocking. Then they whipped him and spat on him. They didn't understand that this was the prince of life, the king of heaven and earth who had come to rescue them. The soldiers made a sign, our king, and they nailed it to a wooden cross. They walked up a hill outside the city. Jesus carried the cross on his back. 
Jesus had never done anything wrong. But they were going to kill him the way criminals were killed. They nailed Jesus to the cross. Father, forgive them, Jesus gasped. They don't understand what they're doing. You say you've come to rescue us, people shouted. But you can't even save yourself. But they were wrong. Jesus could have rescued himself. A legion of angels could have flown to his side if he called. If you really are the son of God, you could just climb down off that cross, they said. And of course they were right. Jesus could have climbed down. Actually, he could have said a word and made it all stop. Like he did when he healed that little girl. When he stilled the storm and when he fed the 5,000 people. But Jesus stayed. You see, they didn't understand. It wasn't the nails that kept Jesus there. It was his love. You know, our response to it, to the love of the Father, should be to live lives sold out for him and to him. It's to realise the breadth and the depth of his love for us. It's to realise that we can't not give it away. We can't not share it with others. As we're led to him, it leads us to share it with others. It's entering into believing in him and then sharing that belief with others. To do that, we have to uncover for ourselves the reality of his love. We see the reason we need it. We realise the result of having it and knowing it. And then we respond to it personally for ourselves but also then we cannot not share that with others i'm praying right now there will be a supernatural unlocking on you and a revealing of the love of god in fact just as we finish this morning can i pray that over us can we just have a moment and a time allowing the spirit of god to minister to us you might just want to close your eyes just steady your hearts before him Father, I I just welcome you now and I pray exactly that, that there would be a deposit of the love of God upon us, a supernatural release for so many where it's been maybe a head thing but not a heart thing, for so many where it's not even been a head thing. Lord, would the love of God land upon us, free us, release us, heal us, for those of you that live under a shame I pray that's broken this morning in the power and the name of Jesus where you've carried a condemnation, a guilt where you've felt that you almost have to buy or earn or work for your salvation. You've had to somehow justify it. I just want to pray that you're released from the bindings and the trappings of that that you come to a fuller realisation and understanding of the grace of God, of the love of God, of the mercy of God. Spirit of the living God, release the love of the Father upon us. Closeness and intimacy with the Father. I just believe he wants to land that on us this morning. Such a timely refreshing. Some of you are so caught in the burdens and the weights just he through his love he breathes joy and new hope and strength and encouragement lord let it come upon us 
I pray. <clears throat> Just believe there's um, someone joining us this morning. You've got pains in your... Uh, it's, be, it's between your knees and your ankles, just in that lower leg there, really troubling you. I don't know if that's shin splints or something around that. If that's you, I just want to pray right now that the power, the healing power of Jesus would instantaneously land upon your body. I command it to be healed and to be well, to realign. To God be the glory. Lord, let your healing power flow. The presence of God come upon us. Some of you, I just think there's a there's like a weight across the back of your shoulders, potentially leading to headaches, even migraines. But it's just you're just feeling so tense, almost like hunching you over slightly. I, I believe there's something slightly more in that than just the physical thing. I think there's like a it's like the enemy's tried to put a weight and a burden upon you that is not yours to carry. I just want to pray a release over you physically for that. There'll be many other things. I want to encourage you this morning, reach out to others, stand alongside others. Don't neglect praying for each other. Someone Send someone a text of encouragement and say, hey, how could I be praying for you? Let's stand alongside each other, be family. Do you remember that thing I shared earlier about if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Let's do this together. That's the people he calls us to be, people of his presence on a journey of discipleship being more transformed into the light and the love of Jesus that we'd know it and share it with others. I pray that comes upon you in a fresh wave and power and anointing this morning. God bless you. We hope and pray you have a good week. Don't step out of resting in his presence in this moment, I pray, and I long that he would be ministering to you and we're just going to leave you some gentle music playing as you stay in that place. Thanks for listening. To find out more, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description.